This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. There's a lot happening at Right From The Deep. Yes, indeed. First, thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon. You guys, we can't say this enough. You help make this show possible, and we really are grateful for you. Thank you. A special thanks to our March sponsor of the month, Bobby Updegraff. Yay, Bobby! She's been a longtime supporter of another ministry called Friends of Renacer, and that's a support network for a home that helps abused, orphaned, and abandoned children in Honduras. What a great ministry. It's a ministry of presence, of praying, visiting, listening, encouraging, and helping financially. What, what a powerful thing to do. And you can find out more about them at Friends of Renacer, R-E-N-A-C-E-R, Com. Yes, thank you, Bobby. And another exciting thing is that for the next few months worth of episodes, we have a sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast. Yay! Yay! This helps you guys and us because we're going to bring you Novel Marketing's 10 Commandments of Book Marketing. And I, I love this podcast. I want to encourage you guys just to listen to the podcast too. You can find it at novelmarketing.com. So for the next so long here, we're going to bring you these commandments and commandments Commandment one from the Novel Marketing Podcast for book marketing is love thy reader as you love thy book. This is the greatest commandment, and it is the first button on the shirt. That's what Thomas Umsed calls it, the host of Novel Marketing. And I like this. He says, if this lines up, all the other buttons line up. And if it's wrong, you can't fix it. So if you want readers to care about your book, you need to care about your readers. And that has to come at the very beginning. You shouldn't be writing a book for readers if you don't care about them. If you want to write a book that readers will want to read, that they'll want to recommend, you've got to write the kind of book readers already want to read. You need to understand their worldview. You need to understand what they see as the problems. Right. So that means you need to get to know them. Not only get to know them, but you need to listen to them and you need to serve them. Without those elements, this commandment cannot be accomplished. That's right. Guys, a lot of new authors, we fall in love with our books, right? We write the book we want to write, whether anyone wants to read that or not. We can't, we can't do it that way. You can't like write a book and then look for somebody and tell them they need it. You got to start with caring about your reader and caring about serving them and caring about their pain points and how you can help. That's where you start. So commandment number one of book marketing is love thy reader as you love thy book. And for more book promotion and platform help, listen to the Novel Marketing Podcast in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. We've been sharing wonders that we've noticed along the way. And as we're recording this, it's mid-February, close to late February. And here's my wonder. The daffodils are blooming. <laughs> I walked outside and the very first daffodil had bloomed, that brilliant yellow against what had been a dreary world just a day ago. I love the renewal of spring. That's a wonder that never fails to inspire. Yes. <laughs> and now... Here's, Here's the, the show. show. 
Well, hello, listeners, and welcome to The Deep. We are so glad to have you here with us, and we're doubly glad we have a guest. Nadine Brandes is here with us, yay, and Karen is going to introduce her. Nadine Brandes is an amazing person, as well as a gifted writer. I got to tell you, when I edited her book, A Time to Die for Enclave, I was so drawn into the story that half the time I would forget I was supposed to be editing. (laughs) I can understand that. I read that book. (laughs) It's an amazing book, and it was an amazing debut novel. And she has just gone on from there to author four more books. And her Out of Time series has won all kinds of rewards, deservedly so. But what I love most about Nadine, and yes, I was her agent for a while, but what I love most about her is her smile. She has the the most brilliant smile that just wraps around you and warms you up and makes you feel as though you've known her forever. She has an adventurous spirit. In fact, if you go on to her website, here her about is something along the lines of, I'm the author of five books, I'm an adventurer, I'm a Harry Potter super nerd who has been known to eat an entire package of Oreos, family size, by herself, (laughs) which you would never know to look at her. She's this little (laughs) sick of a person. I watch Fiddler on the Roof at least once a year. Wait, you don't, she says, which is me. I love the word bumbershoot, and I do too. I just saw, again, the Frasier episode where they're talking about bumbershoots. I just, it's hysterical. So Nadine has this marvelous sense of who she is, who she is in God, who she is as a wife and mother, and we are just delighted to have her here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to even be on this podcast because it ministers to me every time I listen to it. And <laughs> and I just, I love chatting with you amazing, inspired ladies. Oh, well, thank you. And so if you've listened before, then you know what's coming. What <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> does the deep mean to you? Oh, I feel like I could take this a lot of different ways, but um, I wanted to go with kind of my gut reaction. Every time I hear you guys ask that question, I I think through it. And to me, it means this intentional pursuit of God and the reward that comes from that, as has been promised to us in Scripture. It makes me think of um, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, where it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I feel like to me, the deep is those three words, you will find me. Mm. I guess that's four words, but you will find me. <laughs> You're um, a writer, not a mathematician. I know, not math. Math <laughs> is not my strong point. <laughs> uh, but finding the Lord after that obedience of pursuit and the beautiful communion and relationship that happens when I'm in that place, especially as a creative person entering into that communion with him, the ultimate creator who has given me my joy for creativity. Um, There's a freedom found in the deep, both not only just in the deep relationship, but in everything else falling away or being set aside intentionally just so that he is my sole focus. So that is what the deep means to me. And I'm sure I will reference that mentality a lot more just throughout this podcast episode because it has it's so tied to how I am able to write. Mm. Amen. Well, yeah, that. that's what we wanted to get into with you know today on this podcast is is how your writing process goes. I I loved what you said. You said I'm passionate about talking um, about talking about writing from the head versus writing from the heart, and that's what is the difference there, and how does that work for you? 
Oh, it's it's a difference I wouldn't understand unless I had to do it, which I did. Um, Karen <laughs> talk, mentioned my first series, the um, Out of Time series and A Time to Die. That series was born out of such a personal place in my life. I processed so many big life things while I wrote that series. And I mean, I started it without even thinking of publishing. It was just, I processed through stories and it has gone on to be published and it's ministered to a lot of other people. So after that series, when it was time for, okay, what's next? I didn't really know where to go. And I had this inquiry from a large publishing house that said, okay, what, what do you have next? What are you writing? And I had this fantasy idea that I pitched to them and I was really excited to write it. And they said, no, we're not looking for that. How about (laughs) something historical, you know, and I I know. So I countered with, well, what about historical with a fantasy twist? And they agreed. So my next book that was agreed upon, uh, it's called Fox. And it's this retelling of the son of Guy Fawkes um, and the gunpowder plot in England with a fantasy twist. Hmm. And at the time, I'd kind of gotten caught up in this. um, God has opened these doors to this bigger publishing house. And it really, you know, there was God in there every step of the way of him opening the doors and how I connected with them and how he gave me the idea for that story. But it wasn't an idea born from my heart or really anything passionate. It was just Mm. the right idea that they were looking for. Wow. And I ran into just these roadblocks as I started writing it because there wasn't emotion behind it. And coming from a series that was so emotional to me, it was just fighting tooth and nail. Um, Fox was hands down the hardest book I've ever written. But as I was writing that book, um, I listened to a talk by Alan Arnold, uh, who wrote the book, The Story of With, and he Mm -hmm. just talked about how your reward as a writer is the communion with God while you write and while you create. And it's not the finished product, uh, not the book in your hands, not the advance that you get. And I just had to cling to that. I have always prayed before writing. I try to do it before every writing session. And uh, I was doing that with Fox and just praying like, okay, God, put something in this that reflects you because everything I was writing just felt so flat and uninspired. And Mm. I wasn't excited about it. It was just so many tears. And I felt like I was just writing this book for the market. I was writing it for the publisher because that's what they wanted. I still knew God wanted me to do that, but there just wasn't any feeling behind it. And as a creative, and I know a lot of other writers will relate to this, we thrive off of that inspiration to go write. And I'm excited to dive into the story and discover the characters. And just all of that was missing where I was questioning, can I even be a writer anymore? And the Lord was saying, yes, and you have to write this book, whether you feel like it or not. (laughs) So I thought, okay, you know, I had the security knowing he told me to write it too. And it wasn't just the publisher. And knowing that I knew that I could push through any lack of emotion to write it. And finally, after a long year of deadlines and editing, I got to this point at the very, very end when I was reading back through the copy edits, the final stage. And for the first time, I took a breath and looked at the story and I thought, I'm proud of this piece of work. Like I see something in it. 
but it wasn't until all the way till the very, very end that anything in my heart connected with it. And since then, I've seen how God has used it for readers and to open doors for other books. But not just that, it has transformed how I write books now going forward. And it is for the goal of writing is to commune with the Lord and not just to get a book contract or a book published. And it drastically changed me. And it's a message I'm so passionate about. If you can't tell, because I'm just talking and talking and talking. No, but, but we love that. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that is in a nutshell, writing from the head versus the heart, but how you can still do both with the Lord. Wow. So <laughs> how did you go then after Fox and after going through all of that, where did God take you next? And how was that decision and what you you wrote influenced by what had happened? Yeah. So actually, my contract was for a two-book contract. So I already had another deadline looming after that. And they wanted another historical fantasy. Um, and this one was for um, Romanov, is what I pitched them, which is a retelling of Princess Anastasia with a fantasy twist, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... It was neat to see that shift because I actually had an idea for the story that I was excited about. But my entire life, I have been so passionate about the people and the language and the country of Russia. My dad did ministry right. in Russia for a really long time. And um, I got the chance to go to Russia to do research for that, where we also connected with a pastor and his wife and were able to do ministry. And so it was so neat seeing the Lord bring these two passions of writing and Russia together in a book. And even though my deadline for that book was much, much shorter than what I had for Fox, and I am not a quick writer, I was able to enter in right from the beginning mm. into this healthy mindset with the Lord and with writing that allowed me to write without the barriers of constant self-doubt. I mean, I still have days where I struggle with self-doubt, but it's like, I know the formula. I know <laughs> to go to the Lord and he will remove that. And even though the strain of writing that book, you know, it was exhausting just from a creative perspective. It wasn't spiritually exhausting. I was in this new place of being able to write it and it came out beautifully. Wow. I love the benefit that you had. Circling back to when you started Fox, you said that you were confident that God wanted you to write that book, that you you were sure about that. Since we just did a podcast recently about how people hear God and how people listen to God, how would you say that you knew that? Like, how did you hear that, that that's what he wanted? Um, well, I pray a lot over every decision in writing. That's a big one. But I, I'm trying to think how, I meant to listen to that podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, ooh, that's a good one. And I didn't get to it before the podcast. <laughs> but Something in my walk with the Lord that made a big impact to me. I can't even remember what the um, Bible reference, but it's a psalm and it says, um, the king's heart is like a stream of flowing water in the hands of the Lord and the Lord directs it which way he desires. Mm -hmm. And that has always been a driving verse for me when it comes to taking action and taking steps forward because I know so many people who freeze up because I haven't heard from the Lord yet, so I'm not going to take any action. And I said, well, then you're being a puddle and you can't <laughs> redirect a puddle because you're not moving. 
So I discover my steps in a lot of prayer and I ask him to redirect me and he directed me to this publishing house and he directed me to someone who gave me the idea for Fox Mm. and then, you know, just constant direction covered in constant prayer. So I feel like I hear his voice through redirection and trying to be in his presence and surrendering those decisions to him as often as I can. And if I'm taking action with the heart set of being willing to be redirected, I know that he's he is respecting my faithfulness to him and he will be faithful to put me on the path that he wants me. Ooh. Okay, now here's my question. Okay. I noticed this when we first started working together when I was editing your book and then when I became your agent, it was had a profound impact on me. The level of wisdom that you bring to your life, that you bring to your writing, that you bring to your life with your husband is amazing. I know I keep using that word, but I do know what amazing means. <laughs> and it's it's amazing because you're young. You know, I'm here I am at 63 and I learned wisdom and God granted me with wisdom through the course of a lot of very difficult things over the course of those 63 years. But you have this wisdom already as you're coming in. You have this wisdom to submit your decisions to God. You have this wisdom and you have this joy in everything. The look on your face when you talk about your husband and your kids and your writing, it emanates from you. And and how did that happen? (laughs) I don't feel wise. (laughs) (laughs) The wise people never do. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, man. I think it's just happened from seeing the Lord open doors for me through surrendering to him. I I think back to when I first realized I wanted to write, but I was in college for speech therapy and I cried in my first class just thinking this isn't what I want to do, (laughs) but I was sticking to it. You know, I'm in college. I'm going to get my degree and be obedient, you know, obedient daughter. But the longer I was in college, year after year, I realized, no, I actually really don't want to do this. I want to be a writer. And I talked to my dad about it. And he said, okay, well, then switch majors or switch colleges. (laughs) And I was so surprised that he had that support. And I thought, oh, great. Well, I'll do that. Well, the Lord closed every single door, every single window to doing that. And I remember when I realized, but this Like, I have found my identity. This is who I want to be. You know, according to Disney, every door is supposed to open now. And And birds will sing and so will cockroaches. (laughs) Yes. And I, I found my path. So I get to, I'm supposed to be able to go walk it. And the Lord said no. And I had this choice before me where I realized God's no meant years more of college for me in something I didn't want to do. And was I willing to to obey him and trust him with this desire to be a writer? And so I decided, yes, I wasn't very happy about it, but all the doors were closed. So saying no would have been really hard anyway. (laughs) But uh, then in that process, God grew me as a person. That's how I met my husband. And then when I graduated with a master's degree in speech therapy and everybody expects me to go become a speech therapist, God whispered, okay, now you can be a writer. (laughs) I thought, well, now that everyone's going to look at me like I'm crazy. But um, once he said yes, 
He opened every single door. And my author journey is one that I'm actually very hesitant to share a lot of times because I have encountered very little rejection. And I know that's not the common story, but God made me wait seven years before he said yes. And seeing that faithfulness, even when I was, I feel like I was very immature and ignorant in college, but I still, I I at least thank the Lord, chose to obey him in that one thing. And I saw the follow through and it impacted me so greatly, not just in the course of my life, but in understanding how faithful he truly is, that Mm -hmm. it just, it made me want to seek him more and more in every single decision. And every time I do, there's just so much of him to see in every aspect of my story that I don't want to miss it. <laughs> that is a great quote. Is a great it really quote. Is. You know what I'm I'm catching? This is what I, I jotted a note down while you were talking. Obedience in your case, and probably in everybody's case, leads to wisdom. It yeah. leads to these experiences and this understanding about who God is and what he wants you to do. And so many times if we don't stop and be obedient. We exactly what you said, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss the life growing and the maturing and all of those steps. So I I love that. I do too. Thanks. (laughs) The other thing I like is that uh, we were talking earlier uh, before we started the podcast about your tiny house, (laughs) (laughs) talking about how you're an adventurer here. I love the tiny house idea because you said it's it's going to be something in obedience. Talk a little bit about about that. <laughs> yes. So several years ago, I think about uh, five years ago, uh, my husband and I, we were living in Idaho, and I can't even remember the origin of the idea, but God placed it on both of our hearts of, hey, I think we're supposed to build a tiny house. And I remember my recollection is different than my husband's. I remember bringing it up to him saying, wouldn't this be a cool idea? And he's like, no. what What he remembers is that God gave us both the idea at the same time and we're both on board immediately. And so it's funny because I don't know whose recollection is correct, but I remember then my husband was not just on board, but like, okay, let's research, let's figure out how to do this. And he was all in and I was all in. And um, I'm a very spontaneous, impulsive, sorry, the correct word is impulsive person, sometimes to my detriment, but I've learned that about myself so I can try to tone it down when it gets too strong. So I thought, well, is this an impulse? Are we being crazy? Are we being wasteful of our finances? It's five years later, and we are even more excited about building and living in this thing, even now that we have two kids, than we were when we first had the idea. And we've just been chipping away at it uh, every year. My husband can only work on it in the summers because of his work schedule. And we hope that it'll be done in a couple of years and we will, we don't really know why the Lord has told us to build it, but we know, I mean, I know there's a purpose and someday we'll move in and we'll, maybe we'll move right back out again and we'll learn the purpose. 
<laughs> I know that we'll we'll see the answer someday. Well, see what I so love. Our- what what I love is that there's a lot of writers out there who I want them to picture your tiny house, and they're writing this book because they think they should. They think that they're called to do this, and they're being obedient, and yes. they'll find out when they're done. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yes. what it was all about, and maybe along the journey, it just for me, it just feels like a great metaphor. <laughs> Now, tell our listeners what you've named your tiny house. Uh, It is called Tiny Teva, which uh, Teva is the Hebrew word for ark. So, tiny (laughs) ark. We are building it like Noah, just being obedient, and we'll see what sort of flood comes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, I don't think you're going to be able to fit two of every creature, so settle for one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They're what, like 300 square feet? (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah, I think a little bit less than that. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Well, it's been a delight, Nadine. It is so much fun to just watch your face as you share what God has done in your life. And I hope that the readers have caught on to your enthusiasm and excitement about the importance of presenting all of our decisions to God and trusting Him with the answers, even if the answer is no. That's really hard to do, and too many of us try to forge ahead anyway, thinking we heard Him wrong. But it's not that we hear Him wrong, it's that we respond wrong. And so I just pray that we gain the wisdom on our journeys, that we can make God our reward and not anything else. So thank you. Amen to that. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same.